Hello, and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. I am your host, Charlie, and I'm here with my co-host, James. Bad Jimmy, as they call him. Bad Jimmy, the new nickname that's going around. Uh Uh-huh. That's hanging right above the door to our recording studio. AKA my apartment. James's apartment. (laughs) Someone, uh, someone, an unnamed source found a, what are those things called? A A coaster. coaster for Bad Jimmy Brewery. Wow. We got to go pay them a visit. Yeah. Sue them for copyright infringement on your nickname. Yeah, they didn't know I've been called that forever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. As Charlie mentioned, we are the hosts of the Paper Boys podcast, a weekly podcast where we dive into research papers behind headline science news. Oftentimes, news headlines are misleading, not necessarily intentionally, but they're trying to boil down these rich research experiments into one sentence. These research papers that have already been, you know, reviewed and reviewed and edited to and get them condensed so much yeah it's hard to get them into the four pages already and they're reducing it down so we started this podcast as a way to really elaborate and bring out these beautiful experiments that affect us all so do it some justice if you will a little bit of justice for everybody so charlie you can tell us what you're bringing in this week so this week i have a piece of research that came out pretty recently mm-hmm. it's uh september 4th 2019 and it's all about like vegetarians versus meat eaters Uh-oh. and how how those diets differ in terms of health outcomes. Interesting. The big debate. The big debate. Yeah. They, they put them in a boxing ring together and they just had them duke it out. And then whoever won the fight got the title. Okay. Who won? Well, actually, it's interesting because it's kind of a stalemate. So really? Yeah. So what this study shows is actually that vegetarians have a higher risk of stroke but a lower risk of heart disease. No, it's I know. just a trade. I know. So it's like, oh. But as you can imagine, the news latched onto this and was extremely one-sided in their coverage. So I saw that. I saw these headlines and I was like, clicked through, read the abstract and was like, wow, like screw these guys. Like they're completely misrepresenting this study. Oh man, those typical news outlets. Yeah. Just butchering the research. Well, it gives us gives us a reason to make the podcast i know i was like wow this is perfect i am in a unique position to expose this having being the host of a podcast where we expose bad news coverage of science stories when we started this i was worried that like you know what if we don't get enough articles and like literally there's no shortage i know i was like how are we gonna have enough content to do an episode every week we could do three episodes a week dude we could do an episode every day literally every day reading reading the science news i see something that's like wait a second Someday. Or just something that's interesting, science, that begs to be covered. Someday we'll be doing this daily. We'll see. We'll see. Until then, you'll have to deal with our weekly paper boys. If you haven't already, please check us out on social media and Patreon. Our handle is at PaperboysPod. Please like our podcast. Write a review on iTunes. Please like us. Please like us. Uh, but seriously, if you enjoy the podcast and you know anyone who might be interested, whether it's another student in lab, if you're you know a grad student or an undergrad, anyone else, recommend it. And most importantly, hit us up. PaperboysPod at gmail.com. 
or anywhere on social media. We love interacting with our listeners, getting recommendations, having discussions about papers. If you find yourself really enjoying the content as well, consider subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod for the price of a small cup of coffee every month. Uh, We release bonus episodes. We have some nice new merchandise discounts for some of the higher tiers as well. That's right. And uh, we also have a voicemail. You can access us directly on the voicemail. Where you can call us. We'll play it on the episode. Uh, you can see our Google Docs where we use cuss words. <gasps> My God. Yeah. But you get actually the Google Docs for every single episode of Paper Boys that's ever been made. Yeah. It's a fun way for us to interact with listeners as well. And, uh, you know, all the proceeds from the Patreon go right back into the podcast. Charlie and I are grad students. We love making this podcast. The Patreon is our way of just sort of helping support it and get new equipment. Um, We've gotten microphones and other recording equipment, so we can actually just record from our apartment. It helps us keep episodes coming out on the regular, as well as these bonus episodes that we love making. Those of you who listened through the snowpocalypse of Seattle back in February, recall when we had to record an episode on our iPhone earbuds one of which had gone through the washing machine and was terrible. And didn't record the first time, so we had to do it all over again. The episode got deleted right after. because our iPhones messed up. Anyway, that was before we were able to afford the equipment that we record with. So so thank you to the Patreon for enabling us to make this uh, sustainable hobby. Yes. Check thank that out, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. All right. So with that, Charlie, can you tell us a little bit about this research that got so misrepresented in the news. Boy, can I, James. So I was a little bit fired up about this one. I can tell. There are, ladies and gentlemen, there are red highlights all over these episode notes, which is very uncharacteristic. There's red ink on the Google Doc. That's how mad I was. Blood's been spilled. (laughs) Yeah. Pixel blood has been spilled. No, so the reason why I highlighted red is because I wrote out a list. So So this is actually... Probably the most mainstream coverage that I've seen on an episode of Paperboys. Like, really? Yeah, I mean, normally we find, you know, I find a study and it's covered by, you know, like maybe New York Times has an article and like CNN has an article, but then, and then it's like Science Daily and then like, you know, CBS local Boston. Like, it's usually gets some mainstream coverage and some kind of more local small coverage and some really niche science coverage. This is like every mainstream. Every mainstream outlet has an article on this. So I wrote out a list. Of all the mainstream, or of at least, you know, the first, like, 10 that I saw. Uh, USA Today, BBC, Time, The Guardian, CNN, Bloomberg. This isn't like your polo and pans, you know, your small gigs, your no. indie rock groups. This is your Rolling Stones. This is your John Mayers, you know. John Mayer, Your U2s. Your U2s. Highly underrated band. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But not very indie. So... The reason why I wrote it out is because then I went and I highlighted the ones that had um, misleading headlines. So it's, it looks like it's about 50-50. It's about 50-50. So I mentioned that the kind of the main finding of this study was that people with vegetarian diets had an increased risk. Re- had an increase. <laughs> oh, no, my risk. <laughs> they had an increased risk, increased risk of stroke, but a decreased risk of heart disease. Uh-huh. Right. So that's like a balanced finding and, you know, it kind of gives gives something to meat, gives something to veg- vegetables. The ones I highlighted in red, the headline just said, vegetarian diets increase your risk of stroke. Nothing else. Really? So BBC, CNN, Bloomberg, Fox News, 
Daily Telegraph and The Independent. Shame on you. Shame. I wonder if they're being bullied by the meat lobby. Well, what I found really interesting is that this was a British study. This came out of Oxford. And all of the British publications except for The Guardian all had misleading coverage on this. Really? Yeah. It's very strange. Conspiracy huh. alert. New York Post coming in clean. Dude, big, like, absolute <laughs> underdog story. New York Post coming in with a good good headline. Wow. I was so proud of them. It's like, boy, you've come such a long way since our last episode. <laughs> bashed you. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So, all right. Really varied coverage in the news media. It was, yeah. Some of these headlines... So Time said, a new study suggests vegetarians and vegans are at a higher risk of stroke, but don't reach for that steak just yet. <laughs> that was my first reaction was just to reach for the steak. I was like, oh boy, where's my steak? Yeah. I need it. And then BBC, vegans and vegetarians may have higher stroke risk. Right, right. Nothing else there. Fox News, vegetarians, vegans have higher stroke risk than meat eaters, study claims. There's also a lot of like, in these headlines, a lot of like, say experts and you know those kinds of lines that like lend all this authority to their headline oh man i just i just don't like that because it it totally dehumanizes the researchers it totally does what it should really say is like group of grad students and their boss find (laughs) that other human beings have found yeah exactly like people that you could interact with on a daily basis yeah that's honestly like one of the best things about being in grad school is like knowing researchers and being like you know, some people in our department released like a nature paper recently. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I've I've like gotten drunk with that guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. Dude, that's awesome. One one man's expert is another man's drinking buddy. So it both like enhances like the brilliance of research and also makes it more accessible though too. You're like, totally. A human came up with this. Totally. It's not infallible. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> the actual paper that is being covered here, I mentioned is from a British group at uh, the University of Oxford, in case you've ever heard of it. It's pronounced Oxford. Oxford. Uh, it's published in the BMJ, which I, I was like, why do they all use this acronym? And then I looked it up and the journal is actually called the BMJ. Oh. But it, it used to be British Medical Journal. Just like the counterpart to the BBC for yeah, medical journals. Totally. And the title is Risks of Ischemic Heart Disease and Stroke in Meat Eaters, Fish Eaters, and Vegetarians Over 18 Years of Follow-Up. Results from the prospective epic Oxford study. Sounds epic. Very epic. That's an acronym, but... What's it stand for? Uh, don't ask. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Risk of heart disease, stroke, in mediators, fish eaters, and vegetarians. Interesting. So, let's dive in. Let's. Let's take a bite out of it. This Ooh, yeah. big, juicy article. A nice, crunchy... Soy based plant yeah based meat derivative <laughs> so they be- so the study is actually laid out very like nice and logically i really liked it they start off with like they're like here's our objective to examine the associations of vegetarianism with risks of ischemic heart disease and stroke okay yeah i was like what the heck does ischemic mean so i looked it up and it means ischemic heart disease is characterized by reduced blood supply to the heart okay and I think you can also have like ischemic stroke. So Your it's blood like vessel gets cut off. Yeah. So like a stroke is when you uh, have like there's a problem with the blood in your brain, right? I think ischemic stroke would be there's something cutting off blood supply to your brain versus like a hemorrhagic stroke is the other one they said. That's like if a 
a blood vessel bursts in your brain or something. Okay, so like maybe something clogs a major artery or blood pathway to your brain. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that could be a scam. That's a scheme, yeah. So they wanted to look at how the diets of these specific groups might contribute to one of these fatal diseases. Yeah, basically. Ailments, yeah. Yeah, and they said up front, like, there are not many studies that have really looked at vegetarians in this regard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, uh, let me rephrase. There are studies that have looked at vegetarians, but not any that have had, like, a very large amount of vegetarians. Okay. So what they wanted to do in this study is they actually, like, actively recruited vegetarians for the study. Because, like, any given sample size, only, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the number really is, but, like, call it 10% of people in a random sample are actually going to be vegetarians. Oh, and they're like, okay. well, it's really hard to compare, you know, 90 to 10. Yeah. Just like the number of people. Right. That's hard. Interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that. So what sort of, how did they control the population of the study? So the population, so I mentioned is this Epic Oxford thing. And I'm, I can tell you now Epic stands for European Prospective Investigation into Cancer. It was like some previous study that was done. But it's this cohort of 65,000 men and women who were recruited in the UK between 1993 and 2001. Wow, that's a big cohort. Very big. And so they went and they basically like followed up with people from that cohort for this study. And then they also mailed questionnaires to members of the Vegetarian Society and the Oxford Vegetarian Study, which is some other study, and then also to the Vegan Society. Uh, These are capital V, capital S, like a a social organization of people who are vegan and vegetarian. The proper vegan society. Yes, it's an exclusive Oxford. club. You're not supposed to know it exists. Okay. But Shh. If you're listening, don't tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so like I said, they actively sort of sought out people with these diets. Okay. Then what did they do? What did they... They sought them out, but like, how did they actually follow up with them then? So they had like questionnaires originally from, you know, for the people who were in the Epic Oxford cohort. They had questionnaires from back then and like these questionnaires had data on like their basically their eating habits and like whether they eat meat or whether they eat fish but not meat or whether they don't eat fish or meat. So basically, so they classified these people into four categories. There's meat eaters, fish eaters. So that means you eat everything except for like you can eat fish, but then you're a vegetarian. Sort of like a pescatarian. Pescatarian. Yeah. And then uh, vegetarians and then vegans. Okay. And then I guess they didn't really get many vegans, so they kind of combined the vegetarians and vegans into one. They just said they're all vegetarians. Interesting. I yeah. I feel like that's a hard group to lump together because, like, you could be vegetarian and eat a lot of things that are really bad for you. Like, you could, you could be 24 eggs a day. You could and, just eat olive oil. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you could still eat, you know, cheesecake all the time yeah. if you're a vegetarian. Oh, man. Sounds like a good life. Sounds like my kind of diet. Yeah. But uh, well, it's interesting. One of these study or one of these articles that I read, news articles said with vegans, like one particular concern is like a lack of choline in your diet and choline is linked to like brain health. Oh, so interesting. Is yeah. choline found in meat? That is, I mean, I imagine, yes, it is. But it's probably like an animal. It probably comes from like any animal product because they said specifically with vegans, that's a problem. Huh. Okay. Anyway, but they don't really talk about that in the paper here. So anyway, they lump them together and then they... They sent these follow-up questionnaires to people, and they also asked stuff about, like, sociodemographics, lifestyle, medical history, education level, smoking, physical activity, oral contraceptives, you know, Mm -hmm. like everything that could affect your health, basically. Okay. And then they correlated it all with medical data. 
which like this was kind of like a whoa kind of moment they just like collected it from the uk's health service so i i had this like inter- interesting interaction with someone on campus who's wrapping up I think an undergrad in public health and she wants to go to the uk to study public health over there because she was like you know it's like one of the most efficient and like biggest government run health services in right. the world right and i guess i just had never known that but apparently like they have insane amount of data on patients yeah well and that's what kind of like surprised me when i saw this and this is definitely like a culture shock thing like being american where like your privacy and like like people care almost too much about privacy and and that kind of stuff yeah to be like they didn't like commission a study where they collected this data like they i mean i'm sure that there's tons of paperwork and ethical you know boards that have to oversee you getting data from uk health service Mm -hmm. but you can ultimately just pull data they have it from the nhs like wow yeah that's Um, crazy it makes research like this so much easier i bet yeah totally i mean again it's like very cultural like i'm not sure how i feel about it but like it's i'm sure it is a force for good so yeah interesting so from i mean they have a ton of people were there any excluding factors for like reasons for dropping people from the study yeah so i mean the original cohort i mentioned was like sixty-five thousand or whatever but a lot of those people they kind of disqualified they left out people they only included people who are between 20 and 90 years old Mm -hmm. um and then they also excluded people who ate less than 500 calories or more than five or more than 4,000 calories per day. So they're looking for people who have kind of like in the average range of diets. And then uh, this I thought was pretty important. They excluded anyone who had a history or a diagnosis of myocardial infarction, stroke, or intense coronary disorder. So, so they already are like super at risk or have already displayed these symptoms of the diseases that they're looking at right i mean basically think of it like pre-existing conditions like they're leaving out anyone who has a pre-existing stroke or heart condition that makes sense yeah and so they're left with forty-eight thousand one hundred eighty-eight people still a lot it's a lot of people Twenty-four thousand are meat eaters 7500 are fish eaters and sixteen thousand are vegetarians wow we got a really good vegetarian sample yeah i was impressed interesting okay so uh were there any other like interesting t- statistics from the pool that they pulled yeah i so i found this interesting they did the follow-up so like the original study was between 93 and 2001 i mentioned uh-huh and so then they did this follow-up in like 2010 and so they said so the average follow-up was like 14 years later uh-huh and they looked at is does this person still have the diet they had back then for meat eaters 96 percent of people were still eating meat for vegetarians only 73 percent were still vegetarian wow later on and for fish eaters only 57 percent were still fish eaters wow so kind of like i found that to be like a nice little tidbit of like it's kind of hard to maintain those types of diets yeah like sometimes i think about like maybe i'll go vegetarian someday and then i think like that would actually be a significant like hindrance to my lifestyle it's easy to like eat less meat it's hard to cut out meat totally totally yeah i mean i think about that a lot because you look at like what's one significant thing you can do to reduce your carbon footprint totally and you're like eat less cow yeah but then i'm like but but then i eat it and i'm like it's so good yeah but i mean like chicken chicken's not as bad for the environment i think so oh that's good good don't quote me on that we should do a paper boys episode we should dude i've actually thought about a good podcast idea would be you just call it carbon footprint every episode is what's the carbon footprint of this and you oh, dive yeah. like dive as far as you can in to figure out exactly what is the impact of 
this everyday thing that we do. You Dude, know? copyright that. Patent pending. I should actually delete this. That's like, like, I'm not joking. That is like... That is an awesome podcast idea. If like we ever started a second podcast, that would be my idea. Okay, so you got this pool of like almost 50,000 people. Pretty good distribution of um, meat eaters, fish eaters, vegetarians, slash vegans. What do the researchers do next? I mean, and they have their entire health history, right? Yeah. Like, how do you how do you like analyze that? So, I mean, a whole lot of statistics, basically. Okay. Which I won't pretend to understand. But so they basically like between these groups, I mean, they can make some comparisons and do some significance tests and stuff. Um, So right up front, like they sort of showed just a couple differences in terms of like lifestyle stuff, I guess, Mm -hmm. and like other health outcomes. I found this interesting. Meat eaters were, on average, older. They had higher socioeconomic status. They were less educated, more likely to smoke, and less physically active. So basically, like, everything except for socioeconomic status was, like, meat eaters are losing this battle, you know? Did they control for things like smoking? They did, yeah. So they controlled for, like, a lot of these things. And, like, so another thing is, like, meat eaters had higher BMI and higher blood pressure, and yeah. they do control for that when they do this analysis. And they actually found that it sort of changed things. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, But we'll get to that in a minute. Now now you got me all curious. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I've already told you kind of, I guess, what the result was. But... It's true. But say it again. Like the, deg- like the degree of severity, I guess, is kind of important here. So the total period of follow-up was like 18 years. Mm-hmm. And over that case, over that time, there were almost like 3,000 heart failures and 1,000 strokes. It's like a lot of people having heart disease and stroke. It's kind of sad. It's like 8 to 10% of the people. Yeah. And that's, Jeez. yeah. It's a lot. Know. It's just, yeah. It's. I mean, like one of these articles that I was reading said that ischemic heart disease is like the leading cause of death in the Western world. You know, doing this episode following up after the intermittent fasting one, Maybe this is just just a sign that I'm getting old, but I was always like, oh, heart disease, you know, that's so far down the road. That's an old person I don't person even think about it, but it's like everything that we do now contributes to that. You can have a heart attack in your 30s and like die. Yeah. Like it happened. It's so common that like that is it's a statistical fluke, but it's like the law of large numbers is such that many people die in their 30s from heart attacks. And just because you're like fit and active or whatever does not mean that your heart and arteries are in good shape i know oh that scares the crap out of me yeah start skipping breakfast folks (laughs) (laughs) anyways uh with on that somber note wow so a lot of people died from heart heart disease and stroke yeah but the point of them saying that in this paper is not to say look how many people die yeah we all know that it's to say here's basically the sample size of these events that we get to analyze okay which is large there's several thousand and they found that the fish eaters and vegetarians both had lower rates of heart disease and the number was like for fish eaters they had like 87 percent as much heart disease Mm -hmm. and vegetarians had like 78 percent as much heart disease wow yeah so it's pretty significant and then the flip side of that is with the strokes this was actually like a more significant correlation yeah Vegetarians had 43% more hemorrhagic strokes and 20% more total strokes. Wow. So like these like blood vessels bursting in your brain, substantially more incidence 
among vegetarians. Wow. And even just 20% more strokes overall. Yeah. I think that that mostly came from these hemorrhagic strokes, though. Okay. They had a hard time finding a correlation with the ischemic strokes. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I guess that sort of follows the pattern of like the ischemic strokes would probably come from blood clotting or like, you know, probably eating bad cholesterol, things like that. Yeah. We know contributes to plaque. Yeah, exactly. You, You asked before, like whether they controlled for these different things. Yeah. This is where this is what I kind of found interesting. They did actually control for like a history of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, high BMI. And they found that actually like those things were all also correlated with the difference in heart disease that they found. So the yeah, so it's kind of confusing. But basically what that suggests is that the blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes and high BMI are related to vegetarianism like Going vegetarian reduces those things, which in turn reduces heart disease. And we know that those are strong signals for heart disease. Totally. Like in healthy, in in anyone. You look at those factors as like contributing to your risk for heart disease. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. It wasn't just like eating vegetables was a switch that you flip and that's the only thing that reduces your heart disease. Like, yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, that's it's like, it's nice to have these reaffirmations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so many flip-flop diet fads. I know. Like it's hard and fasting. Hard to trust anything. Yeah. Except for the paper boys. Yeah, I'm waiting for Harvard Health to come out with a disparaging article here. I know. (laughs) So being a vegetarian, it sounds like, does help your risk of heart disease. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what they found here. Um, They kind of boiled it down into like a better metric, more digestible metric here, like they show the incidence per 1,000 population over 10 years. So if you have 1,000 people over the next 10 years, how many of them are going to have heart disease and how many of them are going to have strokes? Mm-hmm. For vegetarians compared to meat eaters, there will be 10 fewer instances of heart disease. So it's really only, I mean, I realize like the hazard ratio where I was saying 43% higher, yada, 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 yeah, is um, like shows that it's significant. But when you look at it in terms of thousand, you know, per thousand, it's actually only like one percent of those thousand people will additionally suffer. Does that make sense? That's kind of confusing. So with meat eaters, there will be forty-six incidents of heart disease in the next ten years. Uh huh. But with vegetarians, there will be thirty-six. Oh, okay. So it's a significant reduction, but it's still not like this alarmingly high number of people who are being saved you know it's still one percent of people it's who not like you're just living till 110 and then dying in a car accident or something right which would be nice <laughs> was yeah. that morbid to say <laughs> i mean unless the car accident causes a, a heart attack brain hemorrhage whoa that'd be bad okay and a heart attack <laughs> at the same time anyways <laughs> and uh, then similarly like the difference for stroke was mm-hmm. only there was only three more strokes per thousand among vegetarians okay i mean it's not that many more but but that's compared to only you know, meat eaters only have 15 strokes per thousand okay so that highlights like 18. heart disease is just a lot more common than stroke yeah and so it's a more pronounced effect that vegetarians have more strokes but it's ultimately like it's actually affecting fewer people i see yeah that makes sense yeah that's interesting. I like there's so many factors 
it seems like it's hard to say like it's only because they're vegetarians you know like causation or correlation right and the 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 author on this tammy tong even says that in a quote in the time article she's like this is causation not correlation you know like by nature this study can only show that good so (laughs) she's not trying to she's not trying to sell it she's not trying to shove the wool over our eyes right she's not some militant vegetarian who needs us all to go vegetarian (laughs) or some militant meat lobbyist yeah meat lobby man or from the egg lobby yeah egg lobby wins no matter what egg lobby those those corporate (laughs) corporate egg yeah those corporate egg man just a big egg farm dude (laughs) interesting well was there anything else about the article that you found particularly surprising or cool i mean not really it's like i think this is i'm sorry if this is kind of a boring episode but it's very straightforward i think my goal with this was really just to show like because all these headlines totally misrepresented this and then even when you go into the articles all they really want to talk about is the increased stroke risk and they're like yeah and they also found a decreased heart disease thing but what's going on with this stroke thing yeah it it almost felt like there was an agenda you know yeah like someone was out there like no joke you know here's my conspiracy theory like meat lobby is out there saying like this is bad for vegetables stick with meat and the, no, the i mean it was somehow spinning that you know we were saying it jokingly but they're omitting a very important part of the study right and even like tammy tong herself said i think that the increased risk of stroke and the decreased risk of heart disease sort of offset each other yeah this is not enough to say like one is better than the other hmm So what I really wanted to do with this was just like walk through this paper, tell you everything that they actually did, tell you every result that they actually found, just so that you don't have to go read it yourself, you know? I think you did an excellent job of that, Charlie. Well, I'm sure it was just reading off. It sounded like reading off numbers blandly, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes research results aren't, they're not necessarily exciting because they're not sensationalized, but like, it's just the facts. Yes, totally. That's why people feel the need to sensationalize them. But yes. I mean, my like piece of advice here, my takeaway for you, the listener, is that when you see a nutritional study, you should click through and read, at least read the abstract. Because all of these studies were, where they're like these medical journals, the front page, it said, it's like a summary. And it says like, objective was this, the method was roughly this, we had this cohort, and then here's what we concluded from it. And it's like, it's like three minutes of reading and you can get the results that they actually wanted to present instead of whatever the headline said and make sure that it wasn't only on mice yes make sure it wasn't only on mice because that does not translate necessarily to humans yeah it's not it's also very plain english you know i mean they have like hemorrhagic stroke and ischemic heart disease but like it's all medical terms that you google and you don't even have to click a link. It's like one of those things that's so commonly Googled that it has the box that like says the thing. Yeah, it's actually, it's really quick to just break down the abstract. Yeah. So I would heavily advise when you see one of these things, you can identify for yourself. It's pretty easy to tell when like, presumably if you're listening to this podcast, you're already aware of, huh, that headline seems fishy to me. No pun intended. <laughs> like, like you already are aware that like science reporting is kind of wonky. So like just use your gut. Click through, read the abstract, and you'll you can immediately disclaim whatever is being claimed. Pro tip: Oftentimes the abstract is always free, anyways. So. Yes, that's why. That's the other reason I say that. 
because oftentimes pay, always yeah like paywalls make it kind of hard we have the benefit of being grad students we get pretty much unlimited access to these papers but yeah yeah you can usually still at least get access to the abstract mm-hmm. yeah cool well that was a nice uh objective paper thanks for bringing that one in very objective short episode sorry everyone or you're welcome everyone if you hate this show i don't know <laughs> if you begrudgingly listen every week no if you're hate listening and just writing down all the things you didn't like about it <laughs> so you can complain send it to us actually we've said this before we still feel like we haven't made it because we don't have any like heated negative reviews i know so that part's sad tear us apart and send it to paperboyspod at gmail.com <laughs> at gmail.com twitter and instagram at paperboyspod send your hard feelings to your nearest friend and ask them to listen and decide for themselves yeah seriously share not already if you're a grad student share it with your lab i know it's a hard sell for grad students because it's like dude like even my own friends like in my lab they're like look man the last like i do research all day the last thing i want to do in my spare time is listen about research (laughs) and i'm like hey how do you think it is for me i have to talk about it put it together i have to make the episode that's just such a burden for you're me. just so passionate yeah you're just so passionate yeah i'm like a tortured a tortured artist who hates his work but needs to put it out into the world you know you That's you'd so sleep too well truth. if you didn't yeah that is the opposite of the truth this is this podcast is the only thing i enjoy doing that's it <laughs> pretty much yeah that's basically it yeah there's worse things to enjoy like cigarettes cigarettes like breakfast eggs eggs yeah <laughs> please consider contributing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod for only the price of a cup of coffee each month. Mm-hmm. You can get exciting bonus episodes and a free sticker and more. Free sticker of very high quality. Very high quality sticker. I feel bad because on a recent episode I said like the sticker is important because the stickers you get on Public, where we sell our merch are really low quality, which is true. I forgot to caveat that with saying the t-shirts are freaking awesome from T-Public. They're actually really nice. Yeah. I have I have a t- I actually have two shirts from T-Public. One of the podcast and one <laughs> is something else. And I also have a sweatshirt and I wear them all the time. They're great. Yeah. I wore it to lab yesterday actually. Really? Yeah. And people were like, "Oh yeah, I need to catch up on the show." <laughs> I have a long sleeve tee. It's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Gets the job done. Yeah. Actually, we need to post a picture of us wearing our shirts. I know. We need to show them off so people know just, how nice they are and how good how they stylish are. stylish they are. Yeah. So, and that's another way you can support the shows. But, you know, check out our merch, get a t-shirt. I think that's a win-win. You help us and you get to wear something super sexy. <laughs> Everyone wins. Everyone wins. So, yeah. Patreon.com slash paperboyspod. Free sticker. Bonus episodes every month. Lots of other cool perks. Check it out. And please join us, of course, next week for another exciting edition of Paper Boys. Thanks for listening.